We're doing something tonight called Grandma Did What? Yeah, I know. It sounds a little crazy, doesn't it? Hey, I am so glad. I am so glad to be back with you guys tonight. How many of you traveled for Christmas? How many of you stayed here or stayed home? How many of you got to spend time around family? How many of you are ready for that time to be over? There's a couple of you, okay. It's always funny when we have holidays and things like that, we get to spend time around family. And at least for a little while, hopefully this is the case for you, you get to enjoy the family you're around. And then maybe after a little while, you're kind of ready for everybody to go home or for you to go home and get back in your regular routine. But I don't know about you guys, but one of the things that I don't, I don't get to do this anymore, but there was a time when I got to spend time with holidays and things like that around my grandparents. Now, ho- hopefully you guys still have that opportunity. Unfortunately, mine are all passed away. But there was a time that I absolutely loved being able to spend with my grandparents because every time you were with them, if you would sit down and have a conversation with my grandparents, they would tell you some stories. And they would tell you some, some pretty interesting things about how they lived and who they were and, and about their lives. And, and the reason I was always interested in that, and I encourage you, if you ever get the opportunity, sit down with your grandparents and just ask them about their life before they had kids. Find out who they are. Find out what they did. Because you might find out some pretty cool stuff. I found out through, through my family and talking to grandparents, I had one grandfather who was in the Army during World War II, and he was in Army intelligence. So his job, he actually got information before some of the troops moved, and he's the one that got to communicate some of that information. I thought that was pretty cool. I had another grandfather who was a, a pilot. I don't even think the Air Force was around or a thing yet, but he was a pilot, and he flew planes in World War II and in the Korean War. And, and that's, I've actually got his, his flight suit and everything. It's actually it's, it's pretty cool. I've got a grandmother who I did not know this about Florida State, but years ago, Florida State was an all-women's university. And I've got a grandmother that graduated from that all-women's university before it, it, they, they started letting guys. Some people will say it's still an all-women's university. I don't know, but I'm not getting into that. I've heard that. I don't know. But, but I hear stories like that, and, and I think, man, that's, that's, that's the kind of thing that you can be proud of when you hear that about your, your grandparents or, or your parents. And when you hear some of those stories, you start to find out really kind of where you came from. Because even though those stories don't have anything to do with your life right now, even though you weren't there, even though you weren't a part of them, what happened to your parents or your grandparents or your great-grandparents, every bit of their life experience played into the family that you're in right now and making you who you are. So it's neat to find out about some of those individuals, but we've probably all also got some family members that nobody really talks about. And the reason they don't get talked about is because every, everybody knows who they are, but maybe they've made some life choices that the family's not really proud of. That's kind of unspoken. And let me say this right now. If you're in a family and you're sitting here thinking, we don't really have anybody in my family like that, you might be the person in your family like that. So just be careful. But we've got those family members that, that we're almost kind of ashamed of. We hope people don't really find out about because of the way they live their life, because of the choices they make. And, and every one of us has family members like that. You may not know who they are because your parents don't talk about them in front of you, but we have family members like that. But here's, here's, here's the thing that's reassuring for us is to know that everybody's got family members like that. Guys, even Jesus himself, the son of God, had family members like that. 
In fact, that's, that's what we're talking about. If you go back to the book of Matthew, the very first book in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1, if you've got your Bibles with you, open up to that tonight. If you don't have your Bibles with you, there's a stack of blue ones on the back table where you came in. Go run and grab one of those. And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1. And what we're going to see tonight as we start walking through this is we start to see who Jesus is. Now, what typically happens in the book of Matthew, and we especially do this around Christmas time, is we open up Matthew chapter 1, and we automatically jump to verse 18. Because starting in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, we see Jesus. We see the birth of Jesus. We see the account of how he was born and what was going on during that time. And you probably heard that passage more than once over the last several weeks as we were celebrating Christmas. But tonight, we're not going to go to that familiar passage. We're going to back up all the way to verse 1. Because starting in verse 1, what we begin to see right there is we see what's called the genealogy of Jesus. It's, it's his family history. It's the people that came before him. Now understand, this does not include every single person. Because if you stop and start thinking through the math, you've got two parents. Each of those parents have two parents, which is four. Each of those have two parents, which is 16. Each of those have two parents, 30. And it just exponentially starts to grow. So when we look at this list and go back all the number of generations that he's listing out here, this isn't everybody in the lineage of Jesus. But this is a pretty good list to show us who Jesus is because every one of these names matters. Just like in your family history, Every name that came before you, it matters because it's a part of making who you who you are today. It's the same thing in the family of Jesus. So I'm going to do something that I'm not going to ask anybody else to do. I am going to ask you to stand as we read through this, but I'm not going to ask anybody else to try to read these names tonight because these are some crazy names. And what I challenge, yeah, you can go ahead and stand, go ahead and stand, go ahead and stand. I'm, I'm going to challenge you because every time I come across weird names, I'm just throwing this out here now. My challenge, okay, guys, at some point, convince your future wife to let you use one of these names, okay? Uh, if you can do that, I'm, I'll pay you like 10 bucks, all right? I want to see that happen. That kid's life will be messed up forever, but you'll have 10 bucks in your pocket, okay? So here we go. Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Follow along with me. It says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram. Name your son Ram. Dude, that one right there. And Ram the father, or, or this one, or this one, and Ram the father of Amenadab. And Aminadab, the father of Nashon. And Nashon, the father of, is that salmon or salmon? salmon. It looks like salmon. Okay. We're going to go salmon. The father of Boaz by Rahab. And Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth. And Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father, my dad should get 10 bucks right now. And Jesse, the father of David, the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. And Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, and Abijah, the father of Asaph, and Asaph, the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram, and Joram, the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah, the father of Jotham, and Jotham, the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. 
And Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. And Manasseh, the father of Amos. And Amos, the father of Josiah. And Josiah, the father of Jeconiah. Okay, get it right. And his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel. And Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel. And Zerubbabel, the father of Abud. And Abud, the father of Eliakim. And Eliakim, the father of Azor. And Azor, the father of Zadok. And Zadok, the father of Achim. And Achim, the father of Eliud. And Eliud, the father of Eleazar. And Eleazar, the father of Mathan. And Mathan, the father of Jacob. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who was called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you. We thank you that we can come together tonight, God. We thank you that, that we can come to passages like this, God, that sometimes it's very easy for us just to skip over because of all the hard names and it looks like it doesn't mean anything. But God, there's important things for us to find here tonight. And God, I just pray that because we've been in your presence tonight, because we've been in your word, that we'll walk out of here knowing you better, walk out of here closer to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, go ahead. Have a seat. So with that long list of names, and some of them, as you heard, some of them very difficult to announce, as we read those, those 17 verses, what we realize and what I, I hope you picked up on is almost every single one of those names belong to a man. Did you catch that? Now, there's some crazy names, but like 95% of that name, of those names in that list, belong to men. And the reason that is, is because that family lineage, especially during the time when this was written, it was traced through the husband or the father. In fact, Jewish tradition tells us that the, the, the Israelites, the Jewish nation, they were actually really good at keeping records of family lineage so they could trace it back. Because if you go back to the Old Testament, You'll hear names of people and they'll say, well, this person was from the tribe of Judah or this person was from the tribe of Benjamin. And what they're doing is they're tracing their lineage back generations and generations because that kind of thing mattered to them. Now, now for us today, we have things like Ancestry.com. Okay, and these little DNA kits that you can order and they'll send it to your house and you like swab your tongue and send it back and they'll tell you where your family came from 10 generations ago. They didn't have that. So they had to actually keep records of who these people were. And these records followed a family. They didn't follow the mothers or the wives. They followed the men through time to keep track of these families. And, let, and let's be honest, that's not something that's uncommon to us today, is it? Okay, when, when, a, when a man and a woman get married, who takes whose name? Typically, typically the wife takes the husband's name. For instance, when, when, when Kathleen and I got married, her name used to be Collins. She took on the last name of Brian, okay? My boys both have the last name Brian, so one day when they get married, they'll pass that name on to their wives and to their children, and that name will continue unless they have all girls, and then the Brian line dies. We'll see what happens one day. Well, I, you never know. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, I say that because I had a grandfather who had four girls. They kept trying. He still only got four girls, so not, not there anymore. But even my daughter, my daughter right now has the Brian last name, but there's going to come a day, Lord willing, when she gets married, 
she's going to take her husband's last name. And now she's going to be still part of our family, but she's going to fall in the lineage of that family's last name. So it's something that, that we're kind of used to because it's passing down that last name over time. But as you do this, as you look at this and see what Matthew has done here, what he's doing is he's laying out for us a picture of who Jesus is. He's going back in Jesus' history and he's saying, this guy was the father of this guy and this guy was the father of this guy. He's establishing who Jesus is in the history of the nation of Israel. And as he does that, he begins to prove the credibility that Jesus has and the things that he claims about himself as you read through the Gospels and through the New Testament. And some of the names that he uses here, it actually fulfills some of the Old Testament prophecies that were written about Jesus hundreds and hundreds of years before he was ever even born. In fact, in Genesis chapter 22, it talks about how all the nations of the world would be blessed through Abraham's offspring. Remember, Abraham showed up in that list of names right there at the very beginning of who Jesus was. In Numbers chapter 24, it talks about how Jesus would come from the line of Jacob. Jacob shows up right there in the first couple verses. In Isaiah 11, it talks about how Jesus would come from the line of Jesse. You see Jesse's name in that list of names of Jesus' ancestry. And in Jeremiah 22, it talks about how Jesus would come from the line of David. Now that's a king that everybody knew. So what he's doing here is he's saying, hey, if you look at all of these names, these are men, these are names that the people of Israel would know. They would know their history and they would know who Abraham was and they would know who King David was and they would know Jesse and they would know all of these names or at least some of these names that, that Matthew is throwing out. So what he's saying is you all need to understand the person I'm talking about right now, he is significant in the history of Israel. This Jesus Christ, he's the one that's coming. He's the one that's fulfilling all of these Old Testament prophecies. And he's legitimate because he has fulfilled all of these prophecies because he's related to Jesse and David and Abinadab and all of these other names and Abraham, all of those. He's saying Jesus is going to be who he says he is going to be. And as we look through this whole list of names here, we find something unusual. And I don't know if you picked up on it. Do you remember how I said about 95% of these names are men? That means there's a couple names in here that are ladies. Now that's, that's unusual. Because during this time, remember we talked about the family lineage, the family tree, it's traced through the husbands, it's traced through the fathers. It's not traced through the moms or the wives. So what he had to do here is he actually kind of had to go out of his way to include these women in this lineage and if he did that, then there's something in there for us to pay attention to. There's something that we need to look at and say, okay, what are you trying to tell us? And if you actually read through this list, there's five women that he lists out in here. And one of them, we know who she is, even though he doesn't even actually list her name. Does anybody know who any of those five women are? Let's see if you can guess them. Rahab is one of them. Ruth, Mary was one of them. Tamar was one of them. And the last one was not even named. Bathsheba calls her the wife of Uriah, the mother of Solomon. We don't even get her name in there, but that's who he's writing about. And the interesting thing is here is that we've got these five women. Mary, you've probably heard about Mary before. You hear about Mary every time we celebrate Christmas. She is the mother of Jesus. 
So we're not going to spend a lot of time on her as we walk through this, not because she's not important, but because we've just spent a lot of time on her over the last month going through December. But if you look at these other four women, these are the women that were the grandmas of Jesus. As you go back in his history, these are the women that were in that lineage. So these are his grandmothers. These are the women who through time influenced the family that Jesus would be born into generations later. They played into what Jesus' family looked like. And as we get into the accounts of their lives through Scripture in the Old Testament, what we find out pretty quickly is these ladies did not necessarily live the quaint little sweet grandmother image life that we have when they were younger. These ladies had some scandal in their lives. These ladies did some things that we're probably thinking, when we read that, we think, mm, that's probably going to be that family member that I'm not going to talk about too much. In fact, let me give you just a hint. We're going to dig into it over the next couple of weeks, but let me give you a hint of what happened with these ladies. Tamar, who shows up in Matthew chapter 1, verse 3. Tamar went through several husbands, not because she just didn't like any of them, but they kept dying. And yet what Tamar wanted to do is she wanted to have a son to carry on the name of her first husband. So Tamar pretends to be a prostitute, sleeps with her, was father-in-law so that she can get pregnant. She's in the lineage of Jesus. You see Rahab in Matthew chapter 1 verse 5. She was a prostitute. That was her profession who risked her life so that the nation of Israel could conquer a city that she was in. You've got in Matthew chapter 1 verse 5, you've got Ruth. Ruth, who again, whose husband died, chose a hard, very unconventional life and unconventional way to gain a new husband. And then with Bathsheba, whose name you don't even get in this passage. That's in verse 6 where it says she's the wife of Uriah. She's the mother of Solomon. She's not mentioned by name. But what we find about her in the Old Testament is that she had an affair that destroyed her marriage and got her husband killed. These are the women that are Jesus' grandmothers. We think about Jesus and we think, okay, Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life because he was God in the flesh. And every bit of that is factual because that is what Scripture tells us. But we don't often think the lineage of Jesus, the great, 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 great grandparents of Jesus, some of those people were messed up. But that's exactly what we see as we begin to walk through the account of these people's lives, especially these ladies, and there's a few very important things that we see here. And the first one is this. As you walk through and you look specifically at these four ladies that we're going to focus in on, two of these ladies, they weren't Jewish. They were known as Gentiles. And if you're not familiar with that term, what that means is at the time of the Old Testament, when you follow through the Old Testament, what you see over and over is that God told the nation of Israel, you are my chosen people. So the, the people that were of that Jewish heritage, they were known, they thought of themselves as God's people. And everybody else who wasn't a part of that Israelite nation, who wasn't Jewish by heritage, they called them Gentiles. And those Gentiles didn't have an opportunity to have a relationship with God through the Old Testament. Not, not according to what the Jewish people thought. And yet when you look at this, Tamar and Rahab, they were Gentiles. 
They were not of Jewish descent. They were not born in the Israelite nation. That's important for all of us because for hundreds of years, the Israelite nation said, we are God's chosen people. Nobody else belongs to God. And yet God is already grafting in women that didn't belong to the Israelite nation. What God is doing here in the Old Testament is he is showing us that God from the beginning of time had a plan to offer salvation for sin, not just to the Jewish people, but to everybody. And he went so far as to take several women who he had no reason to include in the lineage of Jesus, which by the way, things don't happen by accident. God is in control of everything. So it was not a surprise to God when Rahab and Tamar popped up and said, oh, I'm going to marry into this family now. God knew that because scripture tells us that God knows everything. That means God's plan for salvation was always to include anyone that would come to him, not just the Israelite nation. There's hope for you and I in that. Because what that means is every single one of us that would put our faith and our trust in Jesus, we have the opportunity to be forgiven by him. We have the opportunity to be a part of his family the way scripture tells us that. And guys, that, that doesn't, it doesn't matter what background you come from. It doesn't matter what your heritage is. It doesn't matter what your family history is or what you have done or what's been done to you. Scripture tells us right here, right now, in the beginning of Matthew chapter 1, anybody can come to God. We simply have to ask Him to forgive us of our sin and put our faith and trust in Him, follow Him with our life. Every single person that would do that is grafted into the family of God like these ladies were grafted into the family of God. And the second thing that we can learn from this, and don't miss this, three of these women of the four, three of these women had just blatant sexual sin that they were involved with. They, they took sex and, and they took marriage and they took it outside of the boundaries that God set up for it. He made those things as gifts and they said, you know what, we're going to take and we're going to abuse those things. And yet as we look at this, we see that sin in their lives. And I look at that and I wonder, how can, can those people who what we would consider to be these big sinners, horrible sinners, never want to get caught doing some of the things that they're doing? When really sin is sin. It's all sin. But we look at that and think, how could God include them in the lineage of Jesus? And again, what God is showing us there is that anybody can be redeemed. Anybody can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter where you're coming from. The genealogy of Jesus right there connects the entire human race in all of its sinfulness and says you can still have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Both of these things matter, guys, because Jesus came to save anyone that would put their faith and their trust in him. It doesn't matter your family background. It doesn't matter the stupid things that you've done and you hope nobody ever finds about. It doesn't matter the stupid things you've done and you know everybody knows about it. What he's showing us here in Matthew is that we can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's simply us saying, God, I'm a sinner. I cannot forgive myself. God, I need you to forgive me of my sin. And I want to follow you with the rest of my life. Those words aren't magic. Those are my words. You can use your own. 
But that's why it matters when we read through a passage like this and we see all of these names that we stop and we slow down and then we pay attention to what's actually being shown to us here. Matthew is telling us that every single one of us has the ability to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And he's using the genealogy of Jesus Christ himself to show that to us. So as we get ready to stand and sing and, and close out what we're doing here tonight, I want to I encourage you to do one of two things. If you're here tonight and there's been a time in your life where you've put your faith and your trust in Jesus, you know you're forgiven. I want to encourage you to just take a moment and thank God for that. Thank Him that He rescued you from your sin. Thank Him that He, he rescued you from yourself. And, and you can do that at your seat, right where you are. Or you can come up here to these steps. Some people like to do that. And just take a moment and just thank God that you have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. And if you're here tonight, the second challenge I want to give you, if you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, and, and let me make a distinction here. I don't mean you've grown up in church your whole life and you know who God is, you know who Jesus is. I mean, even if that's you, you've never actually put your faith and trust in Christ. You've never asked him to forgive you of your sin. You need to know there's hope in him. That he can forgive anything. He will forgive anything. You simply have to ask him to. And follow him with your life. And in that moment, you become a member of the family of God. The same way these women did. There's hope in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's what we see here. And that's what I hope you find as we start walking through the lives of these women over the next couple weeks. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you. We thank you that we can come together tonight. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for, we thank you for passages that sometimes, God, look like they, they don't make sense. And we breeze through them, God. But we thank you that as we look at your word, God, you show us there's something for us in every single part of it. And God, I pray right now, for every one of us in this room, every single person, God. For those that have a relationship with you, that put their faith and trust in you, God. I pray right now, God, you remind every single one of us to thank you for that. God, to remember what you rescued us from, what you saved us from, and the men and women that you've called us to be. And God, I pray right now for anybody in here tonight that's never put their faith and trust in you. God, they don't have a relationship with you. They know about you. They've been around you, God, but they've never made that decision to trust you with their eternity. God, I pray you'll give them the courage and the boldness tonight to step out, to come talk to me or come talk to one of the other adults in the room or to the friend that they came with tonight, God. God, I pray that you'll help every one of us to see that you love us and that you've called us to a relationship with you. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand.